podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast entitled The Myths and Realities of K-12 Full-Time Virtual Schools. I think this is a topic that you are going to find fascinating, and we have one of the leaders in the industry. I have with me today Pat Laystrom. Pat, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Many of you may know Pat. She is a senior director, state relations for Connection Academy. It's actually the company started, and which was about 2001, was it? Yes, it was. So great, but has spent 20 years in K-12 education, in educational technology nationally. So she is an incredible resource of knowledge and most recently in the area of virtual school. So thank you and I'm very excited about you being here today. First, before we start, some people may not be aware of Connection Academy's mission is. So could you tell me a little bit about Connection Academy? Sure, I'd be happy to. Connections Academy is a education management company that focuses on providing virtual schooling services. Primarily, we have schools around the country that are charter schools, but we also have some that are direct contracts with State Board of Educations or districts themselves. We currently serve over 10,000 students, 14 different states, and we provide the technology, curriculum, education management services to those schools. The charter schools that we serve all have nonprofit school boards, so we answer to them and we present new curriculum. Any decision we make, we really present to those boards and they make the decision whether they want that particular state school to have that. For example, if we roll out a new grade level, go to each one of our boards and ask them if they'd like to do that. So currently we're K through 11 and this coming fall will be a full K-12 diploma granting schools across the country. And we're very excited about that. Great. How many students do you have now? Over 10,000 across the country, all full-time students. That is very exciting. I know there are a lot of myths about K-12 virtual schools, full-time virtual schools, and, you know, often concerns also. Could you talk about some of those myths and concerns and how you're grappling with them? Sure. The myths, I think, really come from the fact that this is new, it's innovative, and it's really something that if you're thinking about your own experience from a traditional classroom, you would not have the knowledge of what this virtual schooling might look like. So in the myths area, we find that the initial questions tend to center around, is a student isolated? Is this appropriate for a kindergartner, for example? Is the parent teaching? Does a student have enough educational support? Could you be a little more specific about some of the myths there about uh, K-12 full-time virtual schools? Sure. I think one of the most common myths we hear is, is this appropriate for all students? 
And it's really not appropriate for all students. We spend a lot of time educating parents and students about what this is and what it's not. It's really for the students who, for whatever reason, are not successful in their current environment. Typically, that might be the traditional classroom. So the students who are a little bit above, a little bit below grade level, we have a large population of students that are gifted and talented. We have a large special needs population. We have kindergartners coming into our program that have never been in a traditional system. And the way we have it set up is that the parent acts as a learning coach and the parent supports the certified teacher. All of our teachers are full-time, highly qualified certified teachers. They work physically together in a location. So they come in and work a traditional teaching day. They have a group of students that they work with by grade level, and we deliver the curriculum in a box at the beginning of the year. So when you talk about virtual schools, a lot of time people will immediately assume these schools are all online because they hear the word virtual. And that really is a big misconception because we use a combination of print-based and online materials. So we take, have taken a best-of-breed approach to our curriculum. We look at what's currently out there, and we look at the state standards that we're trying to meet, and in every state we meet that state standard. And then we develop a lesson plan around that state standard and incorporate that best-of-breed curriculum. So each lesson could have print-based, online, web tools, project that they might have to do. All along the way, everyone's tied together with our learning management system. And that means the teacher, the parent, and the student all can communicate. Everyone knows real-time information about what's expected, what's due, what's been done, and where mm -hmm. the student's at. Mm -hmm. So for the kindergartner, for example, coming into the program, they may never actually be online because they're going to be doing your typical uh, kindergarten activities, art projects. They're going to be reading aloud both to their parent and to that teacher. And we do that through phone calls, and also we use Live Lesson, which is a web-based meeting tool. And so the teacher and the student can communicate voice-to-voice -voice and also use whiteboards and other chat tools and so forth. Great. Do you have any face-to-face -face at all? We do have field trips that the schools plan, and there's community coordinators in each school. And they tend to be parents or sometimes the teachers take on that role. And they will plan field trips. And what's wonderful about that, and really with the whole virtual school, is instead of students attending their local school where they have the students from the neighborhood, for example, in our school, we have a pretty diverse population because we're typically statewide. And so when we plan a field trip, those students go on that field trip with all different grade and age levels, as well as students from all over the state. And so not only are you experiencing the field trip, but you're also experiencing that diversity that you might not normally normally get. The other place that we do face-to-face -face is at state testing. Because we're public school, we need to meet all of state requirements, and that includes state assessments. And when you're talking about doing face-to-face -face proctored exam for 200 to 1,000 students all over the state, that means your teachers need to go meet those students and practice those exams. And so there's a lot of logistics that need to come into play with that, but we've been very successful with that, meeting AYP participation rates. We encourage the families to come to those testing sites and emphasize the importance of that to not only their student, but to the school as a whole. Excellent. I know we're all concerned about quality and accountability, and people are probably still trying to figure out 
what would a third grade classroom look like, a virtual classroom versus a traditional face-to-face -face program? Well, the similarities, I think, would be that both would have full-time, highly qualified, certified teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. They'd also both have state-aligned curriculum. And the students would all take the state assessments and have your kind of typical testing throughout the year. Some of the curriculum would look very similar, too, because we use a lot of the major textbook publishers. The differences, I think, would be that in our program, the students have personalized learning plans, so it's very individualized. So instead of that third grade classroom where the teacher is trying to meet all those individual needs, but trying to do it all at the same time, in our world, this teacher is able to look at that one student and create this personalized learning plan of both academic and non-academic goals. And from that, we can modify and, and change that throughout the year, depending on how the student mm -hmm. is. So that student in the traditional classroom would be in third grade math, probably, and third grade reading. In our world, that student might be in third grade math and fourth grade reading, and that's mm -hmm. okay. If that student is moving ahead at that pace, we want to place that student mm -hmm. appropriately. Mm -hmm. So the, the teacher, the professional development the teacher receives would be a little different as well because in the online world, the teacher needs to be able to modify the curriculum for those individual students, needs to be able to not only work with the student, but our parents are very involved which is a wonderful thing. And if you look at the research, it's one of the success factors for students. So we want to encourage that and we want to help support that. But the teacher needs to be able to work with that parent and also work with that student. Mm -hmm. And our students would tell you that the relationships they have with their teachers is stronger and they know these teachers better than they ever knew uh, teachers in their traditional classroom. And that's because of that individualized attention that they get and that communication that is just ongoing through email, phone calls, live lessons, and, and other communication tools. I've heard that repeatedly, and I know people don't believe it, but repeatedly students have said they feel more connected to their teachers when they're online with with their teacher versus a face-to-face -face environment. And vice versa. The teachers really would also, I think, tell you that they really feel like they're teaching because what we've tried to do is take away all of that other stuff that teachers are responsible mm -hmm. for. So we use the technology to our advantage in that way where if it's something that's not related to direct instruction, we're going to try and figure out a way that the technology can help that teacher overcome that so that the teacher is allowed to provide that direct instruction for the student as much as possible. Excellent. That's great. I'm sure there are a lot of challenges in expanding the K-12 virtual school and the, the concept. What do you find are the uh, challenges for you and for Connections Academy? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges is that state policy has not always kept up with educational innovation. And because of that, even though the state law might on the surface allow a virtual school, once a school enters or starts talking about entering a state, there tends to be some opposition to that and sometimes the law needs to be changed to allow it or other policies need to be changed. So for you know, anyone who really believes that the student can only learn in that traditional brick and mortar classroom, this is really the other extreme of that. And what we believe is that there are lots of different options. And this is one option that serves a fairly small percentage of students on the whole. Again, this is not for every student. It requires a lot of commitment from the family. It requires that student to be 
there and really participating. So if you look at the choices out there, we believe that there should be lots and lots of different choices. And full-time virtual should also be there along with supplemental courses and other brick-and-mortar charter schools. The students really need choices today mm -hmm. for lots of different reasons, but mm -hmm. we really believe that. And so when we go into a state, we really need to do a lot of education about what we are and what we're not, because these assumptions jump up pretty quickly. You know, we don't want a kindergartner online all day. Well, either do we. The curriculum uh, needs to align with state standards. We agree. So we really need to educate first to make sure that people are comfortable with it. But once we do that, typically people will step back and say, just what you did. I had no idea, or people don't realize that, or I thought it was different. Whenever we have state board of ed members, department of ed, key legislators visit our schools, because again, the teachers are physically in a location, so they can come and see what the teachers mm -hmm. do during the day. You know, almost 100% of the time, if not 100%, they walk out leaving, saying things like, I didn't know that that's how it worked, mm -hmm. or this is a really innovative, fascinating model. And I can see how some students, it would really be effective. Well, it sounds like you've done a superb job. I know there are a number, not too many other K-12 virtual schools. How is Connections Academy different from some of the other K-12 full-time virtual schools? I think it goes down to curriculum and um, the teacher model. Some other K-12 programs have their teachers distributed throughout the state based out of their homes, and they tend to work with a wider grade span, but they might have more direct face-to-face con -face contact with the student, where in our model, those teachers are physically together, but then they're grade-level specialists. And, and then it really boils down to the differences in curriculum. But I think you can look at any school and find those differences. And I think what's really important is that students and parents have these options so that they can choose what's right for them. Because in some states, you have 10 different kinds of virtual schools. And if you look at those states, they're all large enrollments. They're all increasing in size every year. They're doing well with assessments. And so for each of those students that chose that particular school, there's a different reason. And mm -hmm. so we really try to provide the highest quality, high accountability with our program. We do a lot of work with our teachers and professional development. We are always looking at our curriculum. We started a STAR tracking system this year where every student, parent, and teacher can track every lesson as well as a school, one through five stars. And we're, we're always running reports on that. And so if a lesson comes up that's low in the star rating, we're going to look at that lesson and see why. And so we're, we're always looking at it. We're doing parent satisfaction surveys with independent third-party research firms. We do annual school reports, audits, always trying to look at what we do and make sure it's of high quality and, and highly accountable. What great accountability tools. I'm sure there are people who would love to have an opportunity to speak with you about the program. Could you provide some contact information? Sure. I can be reached at my email, which is playstrom at connectionsacademy.com, or my office, which is 847-726-3937. And then Connections Academy, you can certainly find out more information at our website, which is connectionsacademy.com. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you'd like to contact me or find out more about USDLA, don't hesitate to find us at www.usdla.org. Thank you and have a great day.
This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.